Welcome to Axios Pro Rata, where we take just 10 minutes to get you smarter on the collision of tech, business, and politics. Brought to you by Silicon Valley Bank. Ideas bank here. I'm Dan Mac. On today's show, video games in the GOP's crosshairs and a new sort of trade with China. But first, hate's home on the internet. So just about 20 minutes before a white supremacist opened fire in El Paso's El Cielo Mall, killing 20 and seriously injuring at least two dozen more, the shooter posted a hate-filled manifesto to 8chan, an anonymous chat site that is no stranger to such screeds. In fact, the shooting in Christchurch, New Zealand, which apparently helped inspire the El Paso shooter, was also preceded by an 8chan manifesto post. And it's no real secret why both shooters and another one have chosen 8chan. It's an internet safe space for racists and even murderers, with users sometimes referring to real-life kill counts as if they were a video game, digitally cheering on higher quote-unquote scores. In fact, the site has become so sick that Frederick Brennan, who founded it, has spent years calling for 8chan to be pulled down. And that's really saying something, not just because he was the founder, but because he founded it after a different site, 4chan, another anonymous chat board known for racism and misogyny, began doing just a very slight bit of content moderation. Thing is, 8chan obviously remains up today, but there could be some changes. Cloudflare late last night said it would stop working with the site, which means 8chan could become more prone to denial of service and other sorts of cybersecurity attacks. The real question here is if the internet must, by its nature, play host to these horrors, white supremacist or otherwise. An argument could be made that ISIS and other Muslim terrorist groups have been effectively deplatformed, although it does feel a bit like whack-a-mole, particularly with new encrypted communication apps seeming to appear weekly. Now, the internet obviously didn't create mass murder in America, but mass murder in America has significantly increased in the internet age, and at the very least, sites like 8chan give comfort and aid to the enemy. In 15 seconds, we'll go deeper with BuzzFeed senior reporter Ryan Broderick. But first, this. Ping pong tables, kombucha on tap, and open floor office plans are nice, but your startup will need more to succeed. With Silicon Valley Bank, you'll get a banking and financial partner with more than 35 years of experience helping founders move their bold ideas forward faster. Silicon Valley Bank, ideas, bank here. Visit svb.com forward slash next to learn more. We're joined now by Ryan Broderick, a BuzzFeed senior reporter who yesterday published a piece titled The Problem Isn't 8chan, It's Americans. Your basic argument seems to be that if 8chan were to disappear tomorrow, it wouldn't necessarily matter much in terms of people having the ability to disseminate hate rhetoric because 8chan isn't a platform like a Facebook or a Twitter. Could you dig into that difference a bit between something like 8chan and a Facebook or a platform? Absolutely. So basically Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, they have at the heart of them an algorithm that is determining what you see and when you see it and how content moves throughout their newsfeed, right? So that has a big, big impact on how you experience that website. Something like 4chan or 8chan is a very old school bulletin board message board. You go onto the website, you make a post or you comment on a post, and that's it. There's no usernames, there's no archive, things disappear after a short period of time. It's pretty basic. It's almost like a bathroom stall. For this purpose, it works, right? It has formed within it communities, correct? I mean, social communities. That is true. And 8chan, for instance, has smaller boards within it that are broken down by content and theme. Most of them sort of blur together, but people do identify as 8chan users, but it's not in the same way that I think 
a lot of people who aren't familiar with the site would understand it to be. Frederick Brennan, who founded 8chan, he's been calling for years for it to be shut down. His argument, and you, you mentioned this in your piece, is that it, at the very least, shutting it down would make it harder for folks to organize. From your perspective, is he wrong? Or is there a validity to his argument that at the very least, if you make it harder, you've made it harder? I don't think he's wrong. And I think we have seen deplatforming work. I think that when deplatforming is done against a specific person, pretty powerful. Alex Jones, for better or worse, is kind of off somewhere else now. We don't really hear about him, see him much. ISIS was pretty successfully deplatformed from most mainstream social media. It can work. The issue with something like 8chan or 4chan, and I talked to Brennan about this a bit last night, is that they're not anything specific. It's like ghosts in the machine. You know, the only times we ever know about an 8chan or 4chan user is when they announce themselves on the board before doing some sort of horrific violence in real life. It's not so much the other way around. It's, it's that you go to the board to brag about what you're about to do, not kind of the board isn't sort of directing you, if that makes sense. It does. I mean, I, I'm curious, is it your feeling that this ultimately does, though, just become whack-a-mole? And, and it might be harder, but 8chan disappears, you know, the next thing pops up, next thing pops up. You, you talk about Telegram, an encrypted messaging app. Is this ultimately whack-a-mole? Or, or do you feel that, whether it be regulation or something else, that at least these communities, these online communities can actually be eradicated online? I would love to be more optimistic about this, but I do think that trying to treat internet communities for extremism is like, you know, taking medication for a migraine when you have brain cancer. I don't think that it's particularly effective. And if it were, we still wouldn't be talking about it, right? The amount of money and amount of resources, amount of time and thinking and conversations about the stuff that's happening is not really operating at the same speed at which this actual real life violence is happening. I mean, this conversations are going on, I think, since 2015. And if you look at a, a chart of, you know, attacks, it's only getting more frequent. I don't know if banning subreddits or making Gary Stormer users have to download a Tor browser is the most effective way to go about this. I just think that it's the easiest way to talk about it because it's the most visual and it's the simplest and it's the one that doesn't require you know, some pretty serious national soul searching. In your story, and this was interesting, Cloudflare's general counsel told you for your story that were the company to stop providing its services to 8chan, it would set a dangerous precedent. And then, I don't know, three, four, five hours later, Cloudflare did <laughs> exactly that. And look, part of this might be Cloudflare wants to go public next month and, and having 8chan, you know, in its perspective somewhere is probably a not healthy thing to do. But from your perspective, what does it mean that the company completely flipped its position so fast? I do take them at their word that they're agonizing over this. My conversations with the people over there were really thoughtful and they are definitely worried about the precedence they set by what they do. And I think the, the point of view that they have is one from a, a larger internet security standpoint. So in their mind, if they've got a bad website that's using their services, but able to be logged with the FBI or any sort of you know law enforcement body, they'd rather that than be off somewhere else doing God knows what completely unsecure, right? Yeah. But, and I also agree with what they wrote in their blog post about terminating 8chan last night, which is that they did terminate the Daily Stormer services and the Daily Stormer is now no longer being logged by law enforcement via the security company. And there's a possibility that it's more popular than it used to be. It's just scarier because we can't actually see it and monitor it, which kind of goes back to like the early days of this stuff with websites like Stormfront, where the neo-Nazis all hung out online, but you couldn't see them or really hear them. And they didn't really want you to. 
it's kind of been like a new innovation, I guess you would call it, that we can see them. Final question for you. Do you expect, and, and I don't know what the time frame is, weeks, months, et cetera. Do you believe, let's say in six months from now, do you believe 8chan will still exist? Most likely, yes. Based on the history of these websites, <laughs> it won't be from a government intervention or uh, you know, left-wing activists that take the site down. Most likely the site will go down via internal politics and message board drama. Most of these websites splinter off from each other when the users get a big fight about something completely irrelevant, which spirals out of control. And what will probably happen is an 8chan user will claim that 8chan, now without protection of Cloudflare, just isn't the free speech bastion it used to be. And then he rallies together a group of people and they start, let's say, 16chan. And then all those people from 8chan go over to 16chan and they start attacking each other. And then we have an even worse website to deal with. Ryan Broderick of BuzzFeed, thank you so much for joining us. My final two, right after this. Silicon Valley Bank strives to provide banking services at your pace. Quick, nimble, and always looking ahead. And when you run into a speed bump, they'll have the insights and expert advice to help guide you through it. Visit svb.com forward slash next to learn more. Now it's time for my final two, and first up are video games, which some Republican lawmakers are already blaming, at least in part, for this past weekend's deadly shootings. Now this included President Trump in his comments this morning. So first the facts. We don't currently know if either shooter played violent video games, or if so, which ones. Uh, there was very brief mention in the El Paso Shooters Manifesto about the game Call of Duty, but there's no broader context to it. Second, America is obviously not the only country with video games, violent or otherwise. Japan, for example, has much higher video game revenue per capita, but doesn't have mass shootings. Japan and other countries also have Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and Reddit and yes, 8chan. Putting the focus on video games isn't sincere, it's a dodge. Finally, Chinese ride hail company Didi today announced it would spin out its self-driving business into its own company. Now, Didi is best known as China's Uber, but a new piece in the South China Morning Post argues that that paradigm, whereby tech companies start in Silicon Valley and are then copied in China with some extra local flavor, is no longer the norm. Didi, for example, is arguably moving faster on self-driving than are many of its U.S. peers, and the piece argues that Silicon Valley is now borrowing as much from China in terms of actual technology and even culture as China borrows from Silicon Valley in perhaps the only way the trade between the two countries is now flowing freely. And we're done. Big thanks for listening. And to my producer, Tim Shovers, have a great National Underwear Day, and we'll be back tomorrow with another Pro Rata Podcast.